0: As I don't know if any of you guys uh, follow it or not, but the, the Nobel Prize Awards are scheduled to be announced in just over a month, And uh, even if you don't follow them, the winners' names are, are definitely going to be headline news. But do any of you guys know what Alfred Nobel him, himself is, is most famous for? Anybody? Yeah, I heard somebody say it. Yeah. Yeah, he's actually most famous for his experimentation with explosives. And his invention of dynamite, uh, which he he wrote at one time, he said he hoped would be used primarily uh, to clear out rocks and and trees for the purpose of building bridges and and roads, but one that he also admitted he knew would be a dangerous weapon of war and destruction in the wrong hands. So in essence, what he did and what he's he's famous for is creating a very small, uh, very portable, very powerful force that had the potential to be used for the greater good or to be used for the most lethal evil. And, you know, in many ways, you and I carry that same explosive power with us every single day and everywhere that we go. And we do it with a tiny little organ called the tongue. An organ that can build up or an organ that can destroy. One that can uh, launch someone's confidence like a a rocket or one that can reduce a person's self-esteem to rubble. And we're going to see that today in the powerful words that were spoken uh, by King David and recorded for us in Psalm 59, which is our psalm for today. For those of you that are just back, yes, we're still preaching the psalms, (laughs) even while you were gone this summer. And we're up to Psalm 59, uh, which is superscribed to the choir master according to Do Not Destroy, a miktam of David when Saul sent men to watch his house in order to kill him. And the psalmist writes, "'Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. "'Protect me from those who rise up against me. "'Deliver me from those who work evil "'and save me from bloodthirsty men. "'For behold, they lie in wait for my life. "'Fierce men stir up strife against me. "'For no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord, "'for no fault of mine they run and make ready. "'Awake, come to meet me and see.'" You, Lord God of hosts, our God of Israel, arouse yourself to punish all the nations. Spare none of those who treacherously plot evil. Selah. Each evening they come back howling like dogs and prowling about the city. There they are, bellowing with their mouths, with swords in their lips, for who they think will hear us? But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You hold all the nations in derision, O my strength, I will watch for you, for you, O God, are my fortress. My God, in his steadfast love, will meet me. God will let me look in triumph on my enemies. Kill them not, lest my people forget. Make them totter by your power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. For the sin of their mouths, the words of their lips, let them be trapped in their pride. For the cursing and lies that they utter, consume them in wrath, consume them till they are no more, that they may know that God rules over Jacob to the ends of the earth. Selah. Each evening they come back howling like dogs and prowling about the city. They wander about for food and growl if they do not get their fill. But I will sing of your strength, I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress, a refuge, in the day of my distress, O oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, O oh God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. It's the word of the Lord. So as I, as I said in the opening, although most people don't realize that there's an incredible force behind the language that we use and the, the individual words that we choose to use, Uh, And so instead of the usual expository look through uh, every single verse of today's psalm, what I want to do is just draw out that particular truth uh, from the text, uh, the truth that words matter, and show you how they matter not just to the dynamics of our interpersonal relationships uh, but to the one who created the power of our lips to speak, and that's also the Lord of our lives, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want you to see how seriously sacred Scripture Uh, takes this issue because the usage of our tongues uh, is discussed 129 times in 126 different verses so you think that's pretty important but I promise you we're only going to look at four of them okay deal (laughs) just four Uh, now some of you uh, may already know this but I mentioned it before this theme is kind of a particular interest of mine because I'm a person who has always been fascinated by words and by the use of languages. Lots and lots of different languages. Uh, And I am by no means a scholar when it comes to any of this. Uh, Probably couldn't give you more than a handful of uh, words or phrases in any of the languages that I've attempted to learn. But still, I've always been fascinated by how people use language and words in everyday life. Like, for instance, whenever I meet somebody who's uh, bilingual or, or multilingual, I usually always ask them, what language do you think in? I I always asked Bridget that when she was still with us. Um, Because words are such a big part of who people are. Uh, Because with them, you can communicate almost anything. You can speak forcefully and and energetically to make sure you get your point across. Uh, We can whisper to keep other people from guessing what we really mean. With language, we can declare our love for one another. With language, we can ask for food. We can... Right laws we can make up road signs so we can find our way around in fact our world would be almost unthinkable without intelligible language because language unites us but we also know that at the same time language can separate us because for uh, every word of love someone else can speak a word of hate every time we might speak peace someone else could declare war for every truth there's also a lie and so for every proper use of words there's also an opposite opportunity and possibility for their misuse kind of like the exchange student from another country that was trying to learn english and decided he was going to one evening try to impress a group of his friends with his newfound skills so he turns to one of his english-speaking friends at the table and he says to him you know the problem with your english language is the meaning of your words are so vague and, and the man said, what did you say? So he repeated. He said, the meaning of your words are too vague And his, his friend said, no, 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 no. It's not vague-y, it's vague. The man said, I, oh, I can't believe it. Every time I try to use one of my new English words, my tongue-y gets all twisted up. <laughs> and his friend said, no, no, it's not, it's not tongue-y, it's tongue. And, and, and let me just give you a little grammatical rule that will help you. Because whenever you see an English word that ends in U-E... The UE is silent. So it's not vague UE, it's vague. And it's not tongue UE, it's tongue. To which the exchange student said, Fine, fine, okay, okay, let's not argue about it anymore. <laughs> Bingo. That <laughs> sounds like he needed to go back to English class, right? <laughs> but you know so do we right we we need to be continually enrolled under the teaching and the guidance of the holy spirit through sacred scripture to to learn the correct and godly way to use our words as well and that's why i think the first and probably the principal text in diagnosing the trouble with our tongues comes to us from the apostle james james who wrote uh, in chapter three beginning in verse two For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Or look at ships also. Though they are so large and they are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. So James is saying, you know, the tongue is is small, it's tiny, but because it's tiny, we think it's insignificant, but just like a small stick of dynamite, it has tremendous power. Uh, or just like the the bit that you put into a horse's mouth, right? Uh, where you've got this this huge stallion, 2,000, 3,000-pound stallion, and then you put a little 95-pound jockey on his back. Right? But the jockey can control the full power of that horse just by that little piece of metal stuck strategically over his tongue. And likewise, our tongue controls our direction and just... Even a little word, or a little phrase, can influence the total path of a life. Or, or think about a huge ocean liner. What about those cruise ships you go on, Dad? Right? Uh, th- well, they weigh thousands of tons, but they're directed by a small little rudder, right? Even the roughest seas and the strongest storms, uh, e- when they come up, they're still guiding by that little rubber on the sh- rudder. Rudder, easy for me to say on the ship. Got to get my words straight. (laughs) Or how about imagine, uh, as James said, a majestic forest with tall, beautiful trees. And now imagine in one minute, the whole thing goes up in smoke and is completely destroyed by a tiny little match carelessly tossed to the side. Because it only takes a little spark to start a fire, right? And the Bible says our tongues can destroy just exactly that same way. And I think that, that leads very naturally into the The second prong of of this attack of the Bible and the problem of our tongues and that's from Ephesians chapter 4 uh, beginning in verse 29 uh, where we're told do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember he has identified you as his own guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And and speaking of, of foul or I guess I, I, I could say foul F O W L language, I think it was my dad's mom who told me this little rhyme uh, when I was younger than the kids. But I think it's just as true now. She she always said a wise old owl lived in an oak. The more he saw, the less he spoke. The more he spoke, the less he spoke. The more he heard. Why can't we all be like that good old bird? You heard that one before, right? And I think that was Paul's point that. You know, before we say something, we really need to be praying in the words of the, the third tongue text for the day, and that's Psalm 19:14. "Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer." Because when we use words that tear people down rather than building them up, you know it's not just a, a horizontal issue between people. It's a vertical issue with God, too, because it's an issue that's an insult to the creator of the human being that we're demeaning, especially if that person is a fellow brother or sister in Christ. Because we not only hurt that person, but we grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, And I love this by, I just found this by accident this week, but uh, one author wrote, the proof that God's Spirit is in your life is not that you speak in an unknown tongue, but that you control the tongue that you do know. And when I, I read that, that just blew me away, right? The, the proof that God's spirit is in your life is not that you speak in an unknown tongue, like our, our charismatic brothers and sisters speaking in tongues, but that you control the tongue that you do know. Incredible. And, and, and you know, that's true no matter what time or, or no matter what place or no matter what culture, Uh, You're a part of it. As another one of those old sayings from my childhood goes, uh, the boneless tongue so small and weak can crush and kill, declares the Greek. The tongue destroys a greater horde, the Turks assert, than does the sword. The tongue can speak, say the Chinese, a word whose speed outstrips the steed. While Arab sages long impart, the tongue's great storehouse is the heart. From Hebrew wisdom the maxim sprung, though feet should slip, and there let the tongue, and the sacred writer crowns the whole who keeps his tongue doth keep his soul. Which takes me to my fourth example, and quickly back to the book of James, that says, "With it with the, the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. And from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? But, you know, the trouble that I kind of noticed as I was going through this, as I was digging through all of these verses and trying to pull together into a 20-minute message something that would be of help to, to you and, and to me, was that if you've noticed, these verses I shared and the vast majority of those other 126 that I referenced are all descriptive but they're not prescriptive, right? I mean, they tell us what's wrong, but they don't tell us what to do about it, right? They're telling us what the problem is, but not what the solution is. Kind of like, you know, when when I was a kid, if you remember the old-time farm vets, uh, and even some modern doctors now say to diagnose a patient or an animal, just by looking at your tongue, you can tell whether they're sick or not. Have you heard that? But you know what the truth is? We already know. Like, I I know I don't always say the right things at the right time. Just ask my family in the front row, right? But guess what? You know you don't either. So where does that leave us? Well, that leaves us back again, I think, with James who said, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. And how many is that? None, right? No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And you know, I think that's really the key not to miss in this message, that the Scripture is clear that left to our own devices, we can't do it. We we can't tame our own tongues. We can't keep ourselves from exploding or from letting our mouths run wild or from burning bridges with folks because of our fiery tongues. Not, that is, without the movement of the Holy Spirit. The the one that the Bible calls the spirit of truth. That very same spirit that brooded over the the discord and chaos of pre-creation and through the power of words spoke it into life. And brothers and sisters, that word, that word the Bible points to is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ of whom the apostle John writes in the opening of his gospel, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then down to verse 14 that closes out this thought, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth, as Hebrews 4 tells us, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must all give an account. An account that you and I will have to give. One day to jesus for what the bible says is every idle word that we speak And that's a scary thought Because as jesus said in matthew twelve thirty four, for out of the abundance of the heart The mouth speaks So in other words what comes out is what you're full of in here And you know for some folks that's going to seem like a tongue lashing because what christ Is saying is you you can't control your tongue without your presence in my heart And then by extension that means that those folks that can never seem to get a grip on their mouths, those folks that fill the air with a constant barrage of bad language and, and brutal, hurtful words may, may possibly have a heart that's never been fully filled with the wholeness that only a relationship with Jesus Christ can bring. And so if that's you today, or, or if that's me, whether we need to be filled for the first time or just topped off on our road to sanctification, today is the day. Right now is the time, and all you have to do is, is pray, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, We're listening for those words that we share together in the liturgy, my son or my daughter, you're forgiven. So do you hear that today? Do you hear Christ speaking, speaking through his word and and through our songs of worship and, and through the exposition of preaching, and not because of or in spite of any skill that, that Pastor John or I have or the lack of it, because... Uh, no pastor uh, no worship leader that has ever lived can be eloquent enough to save a single soul I wish we could be We just have the privilege to be the mouthpiece And to speak the words it's the spirit that does the work. That's the real promise That's the promise of god's word that he sa- that he says of his own word in isaiah 55 He says in isaiah 55 11, so shall my word Be that goes out from my mouth it shall not return to me empty But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You know, that's a comfort. That's why Pastor John and I can go home and rest easy every Sunday afternoon because we're just the heralds. It's the king that does the work. Like Martin Luther said in his sermon to his Wittenberg parishioners in March of 1522, he said, I can drive no man to heaven or beat him into it with a club. I cannot nor should I force anyone to have faith. The Word created heaven and earth and all things, and the Word must do this thing. And that's the work of conversion as well. And so I love how he finished that. He said, I I simply taught and preached and wrote God's Word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friends, the Word was at work. I did nothing. The Word did everything. And you know, it's still the same today. That's why Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And so I appeal to you today in his name, receive his word, hear his voice. Don't come to his table today trusting in your own cleverness, professing your own spiritual accomplishments, Just come recognizing that you need Jesus. That you and and I and all of us need to hear again uh, his offer of pardon. His offer of pardon to cover the profanity that we so easily produce. His offer of pardon uh, to cover the the washing of his word that we need to cleanse the, the sour words that we so often speak. That washing that we need that comes about by the explosive power of conversion to demolish the mountains of hurt that we've so often spoken into existence. And we need the work of the Holy Spirit to tame these tongues of ours so that we can approach this table today and truly, truly taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Let's pray together.